episode nine of But You Don't Look Sick, and it also happens to be November 1st, so let's just make a mental note to feel it on the first, wherever you are, when you get home tonight, or if you're home right now, just take a couple minutes and give yourself a self-breast exam, check for anything out of the ordinary, and if something does feel a little weird to you, just make sure that you get it checked out. Don't think that it's nothing or don't think that it'll just go away. It could very well be nothing and it probably is, but make sure that you are just checking out those boobs. And on that note, I'm so happy to all the guests that came on for the month of October and shared their stories. And I just think that those women just, they display so much strength and positivity and hope in this disease. And so I'm so happy that they came on. Um, And now you're just kind of... uh, stuck with me all over again. Um, Hopefully it won't be too bad, but I kind of want to take this episode to finish just where I left off, I guess. And that was chemo round three um, and talking to you guys about how chemo round three just totally changed my mindset as far as getting away from the negativity that I feel like my life was surrounded with. Um, and kind of just getting clarity on the disease itself. And I was also in that time, um, you know, by round three, I was bald, obviously, but I was really starting to gain confidence in being bald. I really enjoyed being bald. Kind of the anxiety or the anxiousness that I felt walking around being bald was starting to go away a little bit. I, I remember that when I was first, when I was first bald, I would go out and I felt like I needed to tell people that, you know, this is what was happening. And this is the reason why I was bald. Um, and then I just gained more confidence in it. I got more comfortable walking around that way. I actually really liked my bald head. There were so many bald jokes that went on in our household that we were able to make light of it. So I really kind of felt like coming out of round three, I was in such a better place than I probably had ever been in my life in general. I was just, I was really happy. And I don't know if that was just because I was all of a sudden finding this inner strength and I was also just gaining so much gratitude to every little thing that was in my life. I think I put that out in the universe a little too much. I think I it was too positive because then chemo round four came along and round four, five, and six probably were my hardest rounds. The, the end of chemo, you know, they tell you that, oh no, the drugs, they don't compound. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say bullshit possibly because I felt like four, five, and six, I was really being tested. Like I was given a run for my money. Round four, um, it just started off great. Uh, I normally, I would, I always had my infusions on a Tuesday. So I would normally get sick by the Thursday and then Chris would always take that next Friday off. And so I was sick through the weekend and it normally would last until Monday. And by that next Tuesday, I was up and running again. And that's how chemo round four was. I thought everything was great. And then about a week after my chemo, it might've been a couple days longer, maybe, maybe like nine or 10 days after my infusion, um, I just started to feel really sick and I kind of just thought it was something that maybe the kids brought home or I thought it was just a little bit of a cold and that's what it was during that day. But into the night of, I think it was like a Friday or a Thursday and then 
into that Friday morning, I, I must've, I don't remember a lot of it. That's kind of like how delirious I was in all of this. Um, but I guess I spiked a fever in the middle of the night and I was shaking so bad. Um, I was just getting chills and my teeth were chattering, which I guess woke up Chris next to me and he woke me up and he was, you know, just kind of freaking out, like what's going on, what's wrong. And I just kept saying, I'm, I don't know. I'm so cold. I'm so cold. I can't stop shaking. Um, and he immediately ran and grabbed the thermometer. We took my temperature and I was at like 102.7 in cancer world. That's really, really scary. Like get to the emergency room, anything above a hundred point four, you need to be seen by a doctor, or at least that was what my oncologist told me is that, you know, if you're at a hundred point three, you need to call. If you reach a hundred point four, like it's immediately come in. So immediately, I mean, I just didn't have the strength that night to even call my doctor. So I told Chris, you got to call the emergency line at the office and they called or he called and they picked up and they got my oncologist on the phone right away. And he was talking to Chris and I could hear him on the phone, but I could hear him just so vaguely. And I was just laying my head on the bed and he kept asking, is she coherent? Is she coherent? And he said, yeah, she's, she's here. She's, she's okay. And he said, well, there's two, he said, you have two options right now. You can take her to the emergency room. He said, which I don't want you to do because they, emergency rooms don't really know what to do with cancer patients. And I, I learned that firsthand from going to the emergency room is they don't always know exactly what to do with you. Um, and so he said, I don't want you to go there because we don't know what it is yet. And she, you know, is susceptible to anything with her immune system and her white blood count being low. So he said, I'm going to call in a prescription right now. I need you to go pick it up. She needs to start it immediately. And then you need to be in our office at 8am in the morning. But he, I remember him getting off the phone. He said, but if she, starts to kind of, you know, look like she's not with it anymore. He's like, you need to call 911. And I remember hearing those things and, and being scared in that moment, but then also just like, I didn't even know what was going on. The fever just was really high and I just, you know, did not feel well. Well, the kicker that night is that the 24 hour farmy pharmacy, the 24 hour farmy, um, could we call it a farmy? It, it was like 40 minutes from my house. So our only option was for Chris to go to the pharmacy or load everybody up. But if we were going to load everybody up, we might as well just take me to the hospital. Um, and so I told Chris, you know, just go and pick up the prescription. I'll be fine here. And he was like, no, absolutely not. Like, I can't leave you here. The kids are sleeping. Like, what if something happens? And we did not know what to do. And looking back on it, I mean, it was probably just the stupidest thing to do to have Chris go get the antibiotic. But literally in that moment, we didn't think we had any options. I think it was like two o'clock in the morning. And so Chris called my phone and put it on speakerphone and laid it on the bed. And then he took his phone and he kept me on the phone the entire time he drove to the pharmacy to pick up the prescription and drive back. Um, I remember I was, I was allowed to take some Tylenol to hopefully get the fever down, but honestly that didn't even, it barely brought it down. I think it brought it down to like 101.9 or something. Um, and then I started whatever this heavy dose antibiotic was. And first thing in the morning, Chris got the kids off to school 
and he still had the girls. And then we rushed over to my oncologist's office and I walked in and immediately they said, you know, I guess we should have told you to pack a bag because we're probably going to like walk you across the street and admit you. Because at that time I still had a fever and I was just, but I had no other symptoms, but a fever, um, which is called a neutropenic fever as far as cancer term would go. And that's when you spike a fever during chemo and there's really no other onset of symptoms. And that's kind of a good and a bad thing because there were no other symptoms. It was kind of like, okay, we just have to manage the fever. But because there were no other symptoms, it was kind of like what, what could have caused this now we have to figure it out. And it's literally like a house episode. I get into the hospital an internal medicine doctor comes in. Um, but all I, I was in the, I was on the cancer floor, but I was in neutropenic isolation. So everybody that came in was wearing these big gloves and these, you know, and the, the face masks and all of these things. And I was just like, this is not real right now. Like, I can't even believe that this is where I have landed myself. And it was, it was hard because Chris had to just leave me there. He had the girls with him who they can't come up to the cancer floor anyway, but he couldn't come in. No, I couldn't be seen. I was in isolation for three days. Um, and that was extremely hard. I'd never spent a night away from my kids before. And so this was like a crash course in like being away from them. And it was, it was excruciating. Not only did I not feel well, but then I was just so worried that they were going to be worried. It was just so crazy. But so they ran all these tests and I was just on a constant antibiotic and being on that antibiotic, um, you know, it can be good and it can be bad. When you go through chemo, chemo basically strips all of the good bacteria out of your stomach. So, you know, everything that that's good and built up in your gut, chemo just kills, which is why there's just so much diarrhea. Um, well, that's kind of what my body just had no way of fighting off anything at that point. And they were trying to figure everything out. I mean, they gave me, it was like a strep test and a flu test and they were running all these labs to see what else could be happening. My white blood count was really low. So I started to get injections into my stomach, um, to boost my white blood cells. And, and it was just horrible hospital food (laughs) and I was just miserable. And because I was admitted on a Friday, um, I had to stay through the weekend, which I'm sure they would have kept me there at the same amount of time, but I had to stay completely through the weekend because my doctor wouldn't come in until that next Monday to do rounds to come see how I was doing. So I was just, I was just miserable. I missed my kids. I missed everyone. I was scared, um, just being alone. And then when people did come in, you know, they're all masked up and, you just, you just don't know what's going on. You're waiting for results to come back. And then I'm just getting shots in my stomach and, um, antibiotics being changed out all the time. There was not a point in time. I wasn't on an antibiotic and fluid while I was in the hospital. And I was just so tired. I watched a lot of food network, um, which I love anyway. Chopped is like one of my favorite shows. Um, but I even got sick of that. I was just like, I want to go home. I want to shower. Um, I could shower there, but I mean, have you ever showered with like a full IV thing? Like it's not, it's not easy. Um, and so finally on the third day they came in and said that 
there was nothing present. There was no virus, like no bacteria. There's all of my tests came back negative. It was just, you know, my body, my white blood cells, my white blood count just plummeted. Um, and my body, you know, spiked a fever. And so they said, you know, we're going to keep you just for one more night to just keep you, give you fluids and everything. But you know, your kids can come see you now. They just have to wear gloves and a mask. And I said, okay. And I was so excited. I didn't, in that moment, I didn't really think about how they were going to react. Like selfishly, I just needed to see my kids. And so I told Chris, you know, the kids can come and they were excited to come down to the hospital. And I don't think they, they thought about what they were going to walk into and they've never seen me, you know, they've seen me obviously sick from chemo, but in, in our own house, in my own clothes, laying in my own bed, they've never seen me in a hospital gown, um, in a hospital bed wearing a mask. And I remember them walking in and they just said, hi mom. And the girls, they were so apprehensive to come in and touch me. And the nurses had told them, you know, she's really tired and she's really weak and, you know, you have to wear these masks, but, and, you know, no kissing or, you know, don't, don't get too close. And so the kids said, okay. And the girls, they walked in and they, (laughs) they came and gave me a hug and they wanted to come up on the bed and play with the remote control to the TV. And Pierce came and he gave me a hug. And I remember Ace wouldn't come in the room because he was just so scared of what I looked like. And when he did come in the room, he wouldn't come near me. He said, no, it's okay. And, um, you know, my, my heart at that point, like just broke because I was like, I just felt so bad for him that, that this is where he found himself. He's now in a hospital room looking at his mom and I felt so horrible. And he went and just sat over on the chair and he, he wouldn't come near me. And, um, I, I, I respected that. I, I knew that he was scared and he had, he had tears in his eyes and he didn't really talk too much. And, um, the nurses brought them in some lollipops, which kind of helped to ease the, the moment, but they were able to stay for a couple minutes. They brought me, I desperately wanted a burger and fries. And so they brought me some food and then that was kind of it. They had to leave me again for the night until Chris could come back the, um, next day when I was finally released from the hospital. But, I remember that was like such a turning point for us as a family because Chris, even though I was sick, I was still always there. He was four days on his own, completely on his own, which I mean, he can do hundred percent, but it was just kind of like, wow, this is really setting in that, you know, mom could be out of commission at any point. And that was, that was really hard. And I came back home and then I was monitored very closely and still had to go in for all of these checkups. And I had come home from the hospital, went to the hospital with a neutropenic fever, came home from the hospital with C. diff. If you don't know what C. diff is and you look it up, it's pretty gross. All I can say is more diarrhea. Basically, I can sum up my entire cancer treatment experience with one word, diarrhea. But C. diff is... Sometimes when you take an antibiotic, you know, the antibiotics are there to knock out any type of bacterial infection, but in some people, and because I was on such a heavy antibiotic the whole time I was in the hospital, it can trigger a different kind of infection, um, in your, in your stomach. And that's known as C. diff. And basically it's awful. It is awful. I remember I came home and I was like, I just traded one thing for the other. And I was telling my doctor 
you know, and they kept saying when I was in the hospital, you know, these drugs, we really hope that you don't go home with C. diff. And I'm like, what is the C. diff that they keep talking about? Like, I don't even care right now. As long as we get rid of the fever and I get to go home, I don't care what the C. diff is. Well, I was completely wrong. Nobody wants C. diff in their entire life. You just, it's just diarrhea and it's non-stop and your stomach is cramping and it's awful and we had to get it under control, which meant more antibiotics, but it was antibiotics that triggered this whole thing. So it was like the most awful merry-go-round that I've ever been on. And so we finally got that under control just in time. And by that time we were gearing up for round five of chemo. So I went in for round five thinking, you know, please, whatever we do, like, just let me be healthy enough to get through this next round. And because of that, because I spiked a fever, I had to be given, um, a drug called Nulasta and it's there to boost your white blood cells. But it's like this little device that they, they place on your stomach and you go home with that device after chemo. And it's like a little bomb. It's set, Um, It's got the medication in there and then it kind of just goes beep, beep, beep and you can feel the needle inject into your stomach and then it releases all of um, the bone marrow medication. And I remember laying on the bed because they tell you, you know, it's going to go off in 17 hours or whatever it is. So make sure you're just laying down when it goes off and then afterwards don't move for like, I think it's 45 minutes or something and then you can take the whole thing off. So... Um, I was laying there and it, it beeped, a little green light was flashing and it beeped and it went off and it shot all of the stuff in my stomach and I felt fine. I, I had heard people say that this medication could cause like bone and joint pain. So for whatever reason, they tell you to take a Claritin, um, cause whatever reason that, that helps. And so I took the Claritin thinking this is you know, this is going to be great. This is going to be good. This is supposed to boost my white blood count. I'm going to be feeling good. I'm going to be feeling like superwoman any day now. That was not the case. Of course, it was my luck that I would have some crazy reaction to this drug. And the next morning I woke up and it felt like I couldn't take a deep breath. Like it just felt like there was a weight sitting on my chest and I could not breathe whatsoever. And I was just in so much pain and I was just curled up in the fetal position. Um, you know, and I told Chris, there's just no way this is the side effect. Like how could they administer this to people if this is supposed to make you feel better? Like how, how am I feeling so much worse? Um, I gave it another couple days, just hoping that, you know, maybe this is, this is how the drug runs its course. I don't know. And the symptoms just kept getting worse and kept getting worse. And I felt like I just couldn't breathe at all. My chest hurt so bad. Um, and my, like all of my bones, every joint in my body just ached and I couldn't walk. It was awful. So I called my doctor again and said, listen, I don't know what you guys are giving me this time, but I can't do this. So now what do we do? They had me come in for fluids and just to kind of monitor me for a little bit. Um, And I went in and they took, they got labs on me and I said, I respectfully decline to ever take this awful fucking drug again. So I know this helps some people, but it was awful for me. So let's not do this again. And they said, okay, well, if you, since you can't do the new Lasta and what it is, is it's the same Neupogen shots that I was getting in the hospital and all the same injections, 
that they were doing in my stomach, that's this exact drug, except this one is a, it's more of that drug. It's seven days worth of, um, the shots and you get it all at one time. And then it just kind of, you know, it's in there for a week. Well, clearly my body couldn't take it all at once because I did great with the shots in the hospital. So they said, all right, well, next round, which would be my last round, um, round six, you're going to have to come in every single day for seven days and get the shot in your stomach. And so I just thought at that point, round six, there's just no way that it could be worse than round four or round five. Like there's, it's gotta be better. How could it be worse? Like, I've gone through all this. So round six rolls around and I was so excited because it was my last round. And when you first start chemo, you feel like six rounds is going to take forever. Six rounds every three weeks is going to feel like a lifetime. And that's exactly how I felt. And I remember my dad saying, you know, it's, it's only 18 weeks, Kelsey, like you can do 18 weeks. It's going to be quick. It's going to go fine. Everything's going to be great. Um, and I was just, I was over it. I was over feeling that way. Um, so I went into round six thinking this is, this is it. But then, you know, as I was getting ready for round six, or I think the day of my infusion, they said, you know, the drugs, they, they can compound. And I, and I'm sitting there thinking, wait, I thought everyone said that they don't compound, but I'm pretty sure that they are because, you know, here I am and everything's getting worse. And so round six, they said it, it may be your worst round. And there were a lot of people that I would talk to that would say my last round was my worst. So that's what I was ready for. I was like, okay, this is going to be my worst round. I'm, I'm happy that it's going to be over, but you know, this is just another one that I have to get through. And so round six comes and I get my infusion and the kids met me after my, after I got my treatment and I got to ring the bell or I left the, um, oncology office and I just felt so great. And you always feel great on your infusion day. Like you just feel on top of the world. And I think we went and got Chick-fil-A and I think all of us went out to eat and it was just so great. Then a couple days later, onset of, you know, the side effects started to come in and I had to go in every day for those injections in my stomach. And I was just so over it. I was so sick of driving to um, the oncology office, which is 45 minutes from my house. So loading up the girls and driving there every day to go in to get a shot. Uh, Chris was with me the whole time, but to do that every day was just exhausting. So we were finally done with that. And I, I mean, you do feel like a weight is just lifted. And I went in to, they were going to see, measure my tumor to see how much it had shrunk, shrunk. And my tumor did shrink significantly, but it was still there. there. It was still noticeably, you could still noticeably feel it. And so the next stage you're up for was surgery, but they gave me almost a month after my last chemo to kind of just let my body rest and, um, you know, my white blood cells to pick back up before we went in and would do the surgery, but they don't let you wait that long. They just give you, I think they gave me three weeks to wait and then we were going to go in for surgery. But in that time, I remember thinking that, you know, this is so great. Look like my eyelashes have made it through chemo. And little did I know one by one, all of my eyelashes, they had made it. It was so weird. They made it through six rounds of chemo. And then after they just, every single one just started falling out. So by the time I made it to surgery, I 
had no eyelashes, which I just thought was the weirdest thing that somehow I, I lost all hair, but my eyelashes. And then they left me as well after, after six rounds of chemo. The funny thing is, is that when you're done with chemo treatments, everybody just kinds of assumes that, you know, the chemo got in there and it's killed everything. And, you know, you're, you're clear, you're all clear. I knew I still had um, surgery to go through and I most likely was going to do radiation. And they told me that from the very beginning, just based off of my age and what lymph nodes were involved from my original biopsy. And so they, they prepared me that I had more steps to go on. And obviously, even though chemo was done, these six rounds of TCHP, I was still going to be coming in every three weeks for Herceptin. So I was done in a sense, but I wasn't really done. But a lot of people around me assumed that being done with chemo meant that like we had killed all of the cancer. And that's what you want to believe, obviously. But I still could very much feel my tumor. And I know with TCHP in a lot of cases, women, you know, it completely got rid of their tumor to the point where they couldn't even feel it anymore, which is great. And the whole point of doing chemo first is to shrink your tumor so that when they do go in to do surgery, they can make sure that they get it all. It's not as big. And mine did shrink significantly, but it was still there. It was still being able to be felt. And the lymph node was still, when they were looking at it on imaging, it still looked a little crazy. So, you know, it was hard in that moment to not be able to hear like, you know, there, there's no cancer because you go through all of that and chemo was, and still is to this day, the hardest thing I've ever done. I mean, there were just so many points where you want to quit, especially when, you know, it's day four after your treatment and you're just hunched over and you just think there's just no way that they can bring my body to the brink of death and, and somehow I'm going to rebound. You just don't feel that way. And every time I had to go in for fluids or every time I had to go to the hospital for something, I just thought there's no way I can keep doing this, but slowly, slowly, but surely you just knock one chemo treatment off after another. And you finally get to six or whatever your number is. And you look back and think, wow, like I can do some really hard shit. Like I can get through a lot. And that's kind of the mindset that I needed to be in after chemo because then it's right into surgery. And when I had first, you know, got diagnosed, they, they did tell me, you need think about the type of surgery that you want. And I had been told that I would not be able to get a lumpectomy. That was not an option for me just based off of my tumor size and where it was. And so there would be a mastectomy on my left side, no matter what. And so in the beginning of chemo, I, I knew for me it was going to be a, a double mastectomy no matter what. I never had a thought of no, I wasn't going to, um, that I was just going to do one. I was just going to do my left side. I was always going to do both. But after chemo, I really didn't know whether or not I wanted reconstruction. That was a whole different idea. It's, it's, it's more surgeries and nobody tells you that each step you go through, they only tell you what's going to happen in that step. So when it was chemo, we were only really talking about chemo, then moving on to surgery. Then we were going to talk about surgery. Nobody was, you know, mentioning anything about radiation. Nobody was mentioning anything about hormone therapy. It was just talking about the treatment that we were currently in. 
So when it got to surgery time, that's when I would meet with my breast surgeon and my plastic surgeon. And so I had a lot to think about after chemo and I really didn't know, you know, what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted a bilateral, but I didn't know if I wanted reconstruction. Reconstruction is a whole other deal and everything. So it really had me, um, I had those three weeks to really start thinking about things and meeting with doctors and talking with other women and really doing my research as to what I wanted, what I wanted out of this. Um, and it's different for everyone and my opinions changed all the time. But what I can tell you is that if you're listening to this podcast because you've been diagnosed and you are looking for information about chemo, what I can tell you is your number one thing to do is just drink water. It's the craziest thing, but it's the hardest thing during chemo. And I wish somebody would have told me that I literally need to turn into a fish and just drink massive amounts of water to even feel human. I, I could start to feel, and Chris would know when I wasn't drinking enough because I would just be so sluggish and my head would just hang and I would just be lifeless. And then I would have to be drinking water. But the thing is, is you don't want to drink water. Water tastes gross. Everything tastes like metal. And then you have sores all in your mouth. Um, the weirdest thing was my go-to drink. And still to this day, when I don't feel well is ginger ale and cranberry juice, half and half for whatever reason, that is the only thing that I could drink that tasted good. I have no idea why. And well, actually I think I do know why, because coming out of my, my, coming out of my port placement surgery, Um, And coming out of anesthesia, they asked if I wanted something to drink. And I said, yes. And they said, well, we can't give you clear fluids, but, um, you know, we can make you like a little special cocktail that we give our patients. And I'm thinking a special cocktail, like I'm already out of it. What are they even saying to me? And they brought me this cranberry juice and ginger ale. And it was like mind blowing. Never had it before. Not sure if you've ever tasted it before, but that's what they gave me in the hospital um, before I even started chemo. And that was like the drink that I, that I would have. And I would have huge glasses like multiple times a day. It's the only thing I could suck down. It's the only thing that would keep me hydrated. Um, in between water, Chris was like a crazy person with the water, thankfully. Um, but that was like the only thing I could drink. So if you're about to go through this, find a drink that you love, test out different drinks, just find something that you can actually drink that will keep you hydrated in between the guzzling down of water, because you're going to be taking so many other medications. I was on a steroid constantly. I was on, I was on an antibiotic because my skin apparently does not like any type of chemo medication. And so I was on all these other drugs. So it was, it was constantly trying to drink water. It was constantly trying to do those things. Um, Obviously, we've talked about it so many times, trying to find your support system, Um, not only for you, but for your caregiver. It's so crazy to look back on and think that of how much Chris has, has gone through, you know, going to all of the chemos and then taking care of me afterwards. Um, It really took a toll on him too, but in the moment, you know, he was just trying to keep it all together. We were, everyone was just trying to survive and looking back on it, I think like, wow, he just had no support. And so if you are finding yourself in this situation, establish a support team around you, you know, 
you know, find those, pick those people, find, find your point person and really just kind of make sure that everybody knows what to do on the days where you're really sick on chemo and what needs to be done in your house if you have kids or whatever. Um, and try and establish that. Also, before you go through chemo, don't be surprised in the friendships or the people that you lose going through treatment. I think that surprised me a lot is that when I first got diagnosed, everyone wanted to rally around me. But then slowly but surely as chemo went on, I stopped talking to many friends who I had talked to all the time that were frequently in my life, but they... I don't know if it was, I mean, could it have been the cancer? I don't know. Was it all too much? I don't know. Um, I never really talked about cancer to anyone. So I was always surprised when friends who were really there in the beginning, who, you know, were really supportive by the end of chemo, they weren't there anymore. And that, that comes for family members too. It's a shock in the beginning, obviously, to be diagnosed with cancer and especially with breast cancer at a young age. But you know, everyone wants to be there in the beginning and they really, cause I think everyone's scared and they fear the worst. And so they, no one wants to live with an immense amount of guilt. And so everybody is there. Everybody is supportive. But as the chemo treatments went on, Chris and I would notice that, you know, slowly but surely the phone calls of people checking on you stop and you need to just be okay with that. And we were, like I said, it, after chemo round three, I had, I was like getting rid of the baggage. I was like, no more. I am not going to finish out chemo stringing along negativity and all of these people and, you know, just trying to make everyone happy. The only person I need to be making happy right now is myself. I need to think about myself. And so you need to just be okay with that. Be secure with that. And in the end, it's actually a blessing to know who's been around you the whole time. Um, and those are the people that stick with you. So just just kind of remember that as you go through it. Um, find some things to do too. Don't watch all your movies before chemo. You're going to have a lot of downtime. Find your favorite shows. Chris and I listen to tons of podcasts. Um, I couldn't read to save my life. I still, to this day, it's hard for me to sit down and read a book because your brain just does not function anymore. At least mine didn't on the chemo drugs. And focusing and reading was really hard. My eyes twitched the entire time I was going through chemo. The neurological you know, effects are real. And so my eyes would just twitch and they would like almost get stuck. It was crazy if you saw it in real life. Um, and so I couldn't really read. So it was always just trying to listen to things or watch things. And so you know, stock up on those. And I know it seems hard when you're going through chemo, but it ends. Everything hard that you go through in life, it ends at some point. And so that's what you just have to keep thinking is that this, this, this part is not going to last forever, that we're going to get to an easier point in the diagnosis. And so in the treatment process, just kind of keep looking at the silver lining that, during chemo, you get knocked down, but the whole point is to get back up again. Um, and now I have that song stuck in my head. I get knocked down, but I get up. Okay. Now that's just, that's not even what I meant when I said that, but it really is true. <laughs> like chemo just knocks you out, but you rebound. And that's, that's the best part is seeing the days go by after chemo where you feel really crappy, but then each day you get better. And for me, 
Chris and whoever was in the house at the time would make fun of me. And they would always know that like I was back to my normal self when I started vacuuming again. So if I started, if I got up one morning and I was vacuuming before everybody got up, Chris would come out and say, oh, well, she's back to her old self again because she's vacuuming. So just know that you are going to feel like yourself. And when you do feel like yourself, go out and do all the things. Go party if you if you want to. I mean, I didn't have parties to go to, but I did go out. I went out with my girlfriends. I never missed an opportunity um, when I felt really good and somebody invited me to go do something. I took that opportunity because you know what it's like to feel just so bad and not be able to do anything. So those little things just to go shopping, go to the grocery store. I hate the grocery store, but I would go after chemo just because I wanted to do something. Um, And so that's when you start to feel really good. So just kind of hold on to those moments. And that can go for anyone. It doesn't have to go for somebody going through cancer treatment. For anyone, if you're in a bad spot, look for those moments, um, you know, where you find relief and just live live in that happiness for a little bit before you have to jump back into reality and just know that, you know, your mindset plays a huge role. And so trying to overcome the negativity and, you know, not thinking too much about the future, not thinking about if the chemo worked or anything, you can only control what you can control. So let the chemo do its thing and you just try and be happy on the outside. And that was like the biggest thing that I had to go through. And so the end of chemo was like the end of chapter one of breast cancer. It was like, you've made it through this. And so now you have to go through other treatments and the other treatments are nothing like chemo. So you have nothing to compare it to. You're walking in blind again, which is scary, but also empowering. If you think about it, knowing that you've made it through what some people don't make it through. Like you're, you're walking into the next stage. Like, like I just remember being like, I'm so ready for surgery. I, I can do this. I was excited. And so that was the next chapter and that was my next thing. And so next week I really want to talk about making the choice and surgery options and how I kind of came to the conclusion of what I wanted to do. It wasn't an easy decision and I changed my mind over and over and over again until a week before my surgery. And then that's when I made the final decision. Um, and the final outcome to have reconstruction. Hopefully that gives a little more insight into the end of chemo treatments for you guys. Um, I know that many of you had said that you had no idea what I was going through with chemo because I didn't really post too much about it online or on my blog. And that was simply because, you know, when you're feeling good, you want to just feel good. And I never really posted when I was super, super sick. And so I was just always trying to keep it like on the up and up. So hopefully this gives a little bit more insight to if you're going through some of these struggles through chemo, you're not alone. Everybody struggles through chemo. It's not necessarily easier for one person. Sharing my story has really opened up so many conversations and I never really thought that that would happen that way. Um, I just wanted to share my story as a way to for someone to find what I couldn't find when I was looking, which was somebody who was sharing openly and honestly about each step of what they went through, because I know that's what I needed. I needed to hear from somebody's mouth exactly what they went through. I needed to hear that they were dehydrated or that they had diarrhea or that they went to the hospital or they had to go in for fluids, that all of these types of things were somewhat normal on this journey. 
And so hopefully I'm providing that for you. And always, if you have questions or want to connect, you feel free to reach out to me at any time. And I just want to thank you guys so much for listening, whether you, whether cancer is related to you in some way or not, just the fact that you're here and you're, you're listening and you're advocating for your health just means so much. So again, I'm going to remind you to just take some time today to check your boobs and feel it on the first. And I'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>